fundamentally, I believe that in the world in which we now live, that a Christian leader missing the skill of innovation is like a carpenter who's missing a hammer. It's not the only skill on the tool belt. You, You need more tools than just innovation, but not having it if I, I'm going to make a strong statement. Not having it moving into the future is indefensible for a leader. We've got to be adaptive for the world that we're living in. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All righty, it's awesome to be back together. As always, love being with you guys, and I hope you're excited to be here as well. This has been a great week. I am feeling rested and ready and rock and roll, <laughs> okay? Hey, listen, if you've not joined us over in the Facebook group, I would appreciate it if you would. If you just head on over to Facebook and look for Everyday Disciple, you'll find our group, or you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. How about that? And then uh, we'll join you there. There's thousands of people, lots of conversation going on around discipleship and mission and missional living and all that stuff, right? So I'd like to invite you to be a part of that. I think you'll dig it. And uh, I think you're going to dig today's episode. I'm kind of moving straight into things because I want to leave plenty of time. I got my buddy Doug Paul on today. Doug's an innovator. He's a leader. And I've known him for years and always been pretty amazed at the ideas he has and his ability to articulate them. He actually calls himself an innovation strategist, and I think that is like a perfect title for who he is and what he does within the church. He's a discipler who makes disciples, which I love. I've gotten lots of ideas from Doug over the years, and he's just an all-around good, fun dude as well, and a good dad and church leader and all that. He has recently written and just released a new book, called Ready or Not, and the subtitle kind of says it all, Kingdom Innovation for a Brave New World, and it really is. I think by the end of this interview, as we talk about innovation and the future of the church, the future of your church, you're going to be pretty excited about probably wanting to give this book a read as well. It blew me away. I'm not I'm not kidding you. I read a lot of books. I get sent a lot of books, and I got to start reading this book before it came out, and I was just like floored by it. So I'm really excited to have Doug on with us today, and I think you're going to dig it as well. All right, so uh, let me bring on Doug, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about innovation in the church today. All right, Doug, good to have you, brother. Are you Flipping out a little bit about what's going on with this book the last few days, man? Uh, I am flipping out is, I think I might be too tired to be flipping out, to be honest. Um, People don't know what I'm talking about. You just just released the book a couple days before we're recording. Yeah. And it shot straight to the top of Amazon's list in the categories you're in. Yep. And then it kind of broke the internet a little bit because they thought, hey, there's no way anybody's getting this many reviews and positive reviews this fast. So then they yeah. took a I literally right before <laughs> right before we we got on I've been going back and forth with Amazon trying to fix this review problem. It's maddening. And oh yeah. And they will not get on the phone with you. They are oh, they are committed to not talking to you, which it's, is it's near impossible, I tell you, because you know we run a publishing company. It's uh, near impossible to get on the phone. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so you know, I've already kind of let folks know that you know the book Ready or Not's about innovation and and specifically about kingdom innovation. Yeah. You know, one of the things you and I talked about probably a month and a half ago now is like when when I got the chance to kind of dip in and read 
you know, read a little bit of this in advance. I was like, you know, Doug, this book is, you know, written to the church, to our family, but this is really stellar and, and something that I think everybody in business and, and is going to want to read it because it's about innovation yeah. and how it works. Um, and I, and that's still part of why I love it so much, man. I love it so much. But today specifically, I do want to talk about kingdom innovation and I want to talk about innovation within the church. I mean, that is the crux of the book. That is the meat and the center of it for sure, but it is applicable. And I want to let people know that, that this is going to be applicable and start to get their juices flowing and thinking about innovation in new ways, not just connected to church, but I think this is critical for where the church is at right now, obviously, yeah, so do you, absolutely. or you wouldn't have written it. Yeah, I don't and know that so, I would have written a book if I didn't think it was. Yeah, right? It's too much work. Yeah, it's way too much work. <laughs> it's way too much work. So so let, let's let's start out, and I always like to do this if we're doing a topic that's, that I think is worthy of it, which is most everything. Let's define innovation for people, okay? And I want to, I want to, I want you to do that, and I, I want to do it by having you answer two questions, okay? okay? What do most people, and I would say in this case, you know, leaders in the church especially, yeah. what do most people think innovation is? And then we'll we'll come to the second question: is and how would you truly define innovation in a way that we yeah. need to understand? Let's start with what do most people think it means? Like this, I'm innovating something, or what's innovation? All yeah, about? so I think. The way that I would think that most, at least when I'm working with leaders uh, who are Christians, I think most, I've got two formulas that I think they think that it is. The first is that innovation equals invention, meaning there was not anything and now there's something. And Boom. Blue sky. I just yeah, pulled it out of the air. Yeah. And it's no one before me has ever thought of this thing before. And boom, there it is. Just like God saying, let there be light. You know, pizza flavored toothpaste. I, I know that's brand new. Yeah. No one's ever thought. <laughs> um, and, and I think so. So that's a that's a problem we can yeah. unpack. But the second one, particularly for people in the church, when we're thinking about innovation in the church, is that innovation equals dangerous. Mm. Um, that somehow, that, because innovation ultimately is talking about change and transformation. That somehow we're, we're like skating on the edge of heresy. Um, just by talking about innovation. And I, th I think because of that, you, you really, that, that, that inbuilt fear right there, um, yeah. the big barrier for people in the church. And it's a barrier for leaders, uh, pastors who might be leading churches. And I don't think it's just like the back of their head, like heresy fear. I think simultaneous to that brother, that people are thinking like, and if we start to innovate or change, they have pictures of people popping up in their brain, yeah. like that person won't go for it, and that person's going to leave, and that tithe goes out the door, or so-and-so who's been here since, you know, they have their name on the cornerstone, because they laid it with their grandpa, they're going to hate this, and that's what's running through their brain, yeah. and it ends up being this big bucket of cold water, yeah, and absolutely. an additional sort of negative thing of like, oh, innovation and change. Yeah, but now, of course, they even get started. That is that is the narrative. That is the film that is running in the front of their their head. Yeah, it's all these things they're going to blow up if if they actually were to step into these waters. So, like one of the one of the funny things that we we talk about with some leaders that we work with is like how to innovate without blowing up your church. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> using up the using those words, blowing up your church. I have heard that phrase thousands of times. Um, blow up my church, man. It's just inbuilt fear or blow up my yeah. family or blow up my business or nonprofit or whatever it is. Just inbuilt think, fear that it's going to train wreck at everything. And I think additionally to these sort of weird misconceptions and fears attached to innovation and change, I think, too, people 
like probably perceive themselves in one or two categories. They, some people think they're super innovative, yeah. you know, because yeah. um, they, you know, they changed the, you know, we used to print this on the front of the bullet and now we're putting it on the back, you know, yeah. so, you know, or, and then you got those who think that they are not or can never be innovators. Yeah. Just now I'm yep. at the, you know, it's like the same person that says, no, I'm just not creative. Everybody's creative, you know, in some ways, right? Or can yeah. be, right? So, I mean, every, so, and that's, that's actually a really important point to that second one. Everyone, everyone can innovate. And so one of the myths that we talk about in the book is just this idea that almost that some people have an innovation gene and other people, they're just missing that X or Y chromosome. Like <laughs> if you, if you are a person, a human being, you've been made in the image of God, who yeah. is the most insanely creative, innovative being who has ever existed or will ever exist. And you were made in his image. And and now bear that same spirit yes. of innovation and creativity. Yeah. Not just when you are out of strength or, you know, at the end of a long day, but like that's that's part of who we are now. It's our identity. It's built in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So let's talk then about what is a better understanding of innovation, especially in light of the church today. But I think period, you know. Yeah. So I I'll 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 give the headline and then I'll I'll kind of double click. Um All right. so the way that I the way that I've defined it is that kingdom innovation. So again, kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, uh, I thought about writing a book that could reach everyone that wasn't Christian and just decided that that isn't the route that I wanted to take because I just really believe in the active involvement of the Holy Spirit in this process. And so kingdom innovation is it's new, it works, and it brings glory to Jesus. So it's new, it works, and it brings glory to Jesus. Now for each of those, like it's new, I didn't say how new it had to be or how insanely creative it had to be. It just has to be slightly different to brand new, never existed. It's a brand new invention. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the it works thing is really important because so one of the things that you see so often with leadership, uh, particularly with, with Christian leadership, is there, there are things that we write on a piece of paper and they don't work. They actually don't work in reality. We just think that because I had the idea, of course it's going to work. Um, and then the last piece, it brings glory to Jesus. This really centers what the purpose of kingdom innovation is about, that it is reflecting um, what it, who Jesus is and what he has done back to Jesus. It is so giving that, him me, glory. It is not me. It and is that, not to me. Me, that to me just puts the ax to the root of, we're innovating for the sake of something pragmatic, yeah. or we're just sick of this, or no one's into that anymore, or that's not working. Yeah. And so we just start throwing change at the wall, or at our people, or at ourselves, or our family, or our communities. And it doesn't. it's not driven by a desire to glorify God as yeah. much as it is to put our finger in a hole. And it's and got, stop a, I, I, it's, it just, it's really important that Jesus is the center of that story, because I think I always think about that Tim Keller quote, and I've, it's not exactly it, but it's anytime you make a good thing, a great thing, that's called an idol. We have a word for that in the Bible. And I yeah. think that's there. You can make anything an idol. You can make your spouse an idol. You can make a job an idol. You can make innovation an idol, chasing that. And by saying like, and it brings glory to Jesus, it centers the story around, it's not actually about innovation in and of itself. It's about Jesus and his mission and what he's doing in the world. Yeah. You have a quote in the book, and I'm not sure who it's from. It says, if you love the form, you have everything to lose. If you love what gives it its form, you're free to receive whatever it's turning into. Yeah. And I, and I think that connects to that, man. I yeah, really I think that's do. Scott Erickson. He's a, um, 
I tell you, if, if you're listening and you're on Instagram, follow Scott the Painter. He has the most beautiful little illustrations with like just these little profound, like that. What you just read is one of his little things. Yeah, awesome. Well, obviously, with all the changes that have occurred, you know, this year within culture and for the church in recent months, it's everything's you know changed. No one, no one ever gets to say, "Well, we've always done it this way." Nope, not anymore. But everyone feels like they're innovating. But from your definition and, and how you're starting to articulate this for us, um, and what I've read in in the book, ready or not, a lot of leaders are not going deep enough. Yeah, they're merely trying to figure out new ways of doing old stuff. Yes. Right. So, yeah. I mean, speak to that a little. So going back to like that, that the, the definition, it's new, it works, it brings glory to Jesus. Like double clicking on the new thing. I talk about how there are, there are kind of four different types of innovation. Um, so, so one is where you're just tweaking something, right? Like it's, it, maybe it was working, it's not working now. And you just need to like, a screw fell out and you need to screw it back in. <laughs> um, or it just needs to be turned three degrees to the left and, it, and it's going to work again. But that's still, it's different than it was. Even if it's three degrees different, that still is an innovation. Um, then, then we talked about, so you've got, um, you got tweak, then you have adapt, where it's taking something that already exists, but giving it a new paradigm. So I love this story. This is one of my favorites. Um, so the, uh, the, the people who started Alpha, in the uh, in the 1980s, in at Holy Trinity Brompton, they, uh, they it was originally a class that was just to teach doctrine. That was why the class existed. And Nikki Gumble, who was coming on staff as a really young uh, a really young man at the time, he looked at it and was like, "That's interesting, but I'm not sure that it, sh- it it's best served just being a doctrine class for believers. What if this was a class for people who don't know Jesus yet?" And so they just adapted the purpose of it. It's not for believers. What if it's for unbelievers? And a lot of the classes, this like the experience is the same as it mm-hmm. was for believers. Mm-hmm. And 30 years later, 25 million people have come to faith in Christ. So that was a massive innovation. But again, yeah. it was just adapting what was already there. Yeah. So we got tweak, we have adapt. Then there's in, there's an engineer where we're kind of like stripping something down and rebuilding it, same parts, but in a different way. And I think that, Caesar, is really where a lot of leaders are stuck right now. Yeah, it sounds like. Because they're thinking, they're thinking, okay, I can't meet. Or maybe you are meeting, but think about the time when you, when you weren't able to meet in person. Or it's very different. It's very yeah. different. And, and the way that they're thinking it was like, how do we do the worship service the exact same way that we were when we were meeting? Rather than asking... If we're going to have a gathering online, what is the best way to do that that will be meaningful for people? They, they weren't going deep enough because they weren't asking, why do we get together in the first place? And they were confusing the vehicle of the worship service with the vision of what the worship service is supposed to deliver. And so you ended up with wow. like some really, really just, let's be honest, awful experiences online. And, yes. and, I, I, and I don't want to take a baseball bat to all these pastors who are really like, no one was ready for this. No one had like, well, let me pull out my global pandemic playbook that I just happened to have written in my back pocket. Yeah. Um, but I think now that the air is clearing a little and we're seeing perhaps it, it's, it's not as foggy as it was, we can look back a little 
and we can start to evaluate some of our decisions. We should do that, you know, gracefully and kindly with ourselves. But we should be like, I wonder if I should have made that decision differently. And, yeah. I, and I think that's where a lot of pastors are. And then, well, a lot of people just, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. A lot of people just punted. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like, like what you're saying. They just said, like, let's just do what we've been doing as best we can online now. So they just start filming and streaming the same old stuff and not going back to deep enough. And like, why do we even gather when we gather? Do, have yeah. we even thought about that? That's talk about loving the form and missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh and, and then it, it really makes us ask, or it should make us ask some questions because we're all seeing the same research from someone like Barna who there are a third of people who right now are saying, I'm probably not coming back who were, who were attending at least one or two times a month. who were like, you know what? I liked brunch. The six months that I've had brunch on Sundays, that brunch was a good great. time and I'm, and, I, and I'm out. Yeah. And that maybe, maybe they're going to engage with something that's more decentralized. Probably not. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that is, that, that well, should it, be revealing of something. It, it should be. And I, and I, you know, I've been warning people a long time. I said, as soon as we pop the top off of this, we're giving everybody permission to either never come back or go, wait a minute, it's legit to just stream a sermon and then go about my day. Well, then why do I have to stream yours? Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause there's a million killer ones out there. And I, you know, I actually found some stuff. I like better. I, my heart has broken uh, on some Sunday mornings when if I happen to be on any time between about eight in the morning or seven in the morning and noon, my time, then all those time zones are all over the place. And you'll get these little alerts on Facebook like, hey, so-and-so's going live. It, it won't even be people I know necessarily, yeah. right? And they're, oh, their service is going live. And it's just stark. You know what I mean? Like what they're what they're what they're putting up with, what they're experiencing as the teachers, as the worship, and the whole thing was just dark. And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, who's who's gonna come back? Who's tuning in?" Talk about a need for innovation. It's oh man, that's, yeah. And that's probably why this book is hitting us all so hard right now, Doug. And uh, and and it's so needed. Now, in in the book, you, you work through five practical phases of kingdom innovation. Okay, now I know you can't unpack these fully in the, you know, in the time we have here on the Everyday Disciple podcast, but real quickly at least, what are these five phases yeah. and, and maybe just a bit of why each of these are important for us right now? And, and maybe that'll just wet people's whistle as well. But I think just as I even read through the five right now, I go, oh, wow, this is so helpful right away to get me, get me started. Yeah, so I, they, they all are... Um... They all rhyme, of course, because we, we couldn't do five things and not have them rhyme. So the first phase is, is identification, and that is identifying from the outset why you need the innovation. Um, because sometimes what we do is we are really poor at asking the right questions at the beginning. So an example of this uh, that I talk about in the book, is, and, I, and I always use this because I just hear it so many times, is... Um, leaders will be talking about how something like small groups don't work um, or they're not working like you want it to. And yeah. so their question is, how do I fix small groups? Um, but I don't think that's the right question. I think the right question is, why did we start small groups in the first place? Like what was the, what was the problem we were experiencing and what was small groups supposed to deliver? Cause I actually think small groups are delivering on what we started them for. The problem is we've changed what we want them to do. Yeah. And so if you want, if you want something that is going to disciple people and is going to mobilize people into mission, is going to connect them into community, that is not what small groups are built for. 
They weren't. They, they weren't. They just weren't. They were built yeah. to be flypaper to keep people going to that worship service and not going to another church down the road. That's why they were started. So Fly the identification paper. Oh, phase, I'm still stealing that, brother. Can you feeling that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the identification phase is like is is driving to framing the innovation. Why are we going after this? What's the problem we're trying to solve? Exactly. So it's yeah. Simon Sinek where he's like, you gotta start with why. Don't yeah. go to the how, don't go to the what, start with the why. All right. What's That's, the second phase? The second phase is is around ideation. And this is probably the one that most people are, think they're familiar with, at least for get that whiteboard out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like we're gonna have a blue sky session. Get the no bad ideas. We're gonna yeah. have a brainstorm. Let's let's just generate ideas. Um, and that is certainly part of what ideation is, but it is it's generating as many ideas as possible. Um, there's this this crazy uh, phenomenon that they've traced that the uh, the organizations that are most successful are the ones that have generated the most ideas before putting something into the into practice. And so I think this really addresses, I'll just speak for myself, it addresses my ego. Because mm-hmm. I believe, let's just generously say half the time, and it's probably more like 80% of the time, that if I had the idea that it must be right. Yeah. Um, and it, of course we should put it into practice. Uh, but actually, there is a discipline that comes with generating ideas and being able to decide whether or not this thing is worth trying out and testing and experimenting with. Now, how do you address this issue, though? Because uh, coming from a creative background as a record producer and songwriter and, and writer and all that, um, and maybe this is my arrogance, okay, showing up. You just nail me if it yeah. is. But I don't feel like all ideas are created equal. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? They're they're not all good ideas. They're they're ideas. And I think it's fair enough to get them out in the air because sometimes one thing takes your brain somewhere else and all that stuff. There's there's whole books and books and books, libraries on how to do that. But not all ideas are created equal. And I think with such a uh, over like arching fear of man and stepping on anybody's toes, I think another thing that keeps a lot of people from innovation is they either they do what you say is like, I have an idea, we're doing it. Or they're afraid to open it up and let's just get a lot of ideas connected to that problem. So going back to the first phase of identification, but let's get a lot of ideas out and then we're going to have to do some thinking and praying and make some decisions, but don't get offended because, you know, (laughs) not all ideas are going to be good ones and or get accepted. How do you address that so that you help people get past that crazy fear? I think for, because this is what I spend so much time on every day, it is helping people see there's a process and the process is committed to the best idea. And so if if Caesar happens to be the one that comes up with the best idea, then great. Um, but it might not be. And so it's saying to the Caesars of the world who are so, so insanely creative, um, you might have the idea, you might not have the idea, and you need to be okay with both of them. Yeah. On the other side, it's, for, for a group of people who um, are, are maybe change averse and who are who are maybe reluctant to throw things out, um, it's really encouraging them that this is how they can be faithful. That actually faithfulness, like innovation, like at the end of the day, success is simply faithfulness. It's obedience to what God is asking you to do. And so it's stepping into something that might feel different and just being faithful to like generating ideas and like actually torture testing some of them. Because some people, I, I will say this, some of the people who are maybe not as natural at uh, giving the ideas are actually, and this can be annoying, 
quite gifted at poking holes in the ideas, but you need those people. Yeah. You actually like, and so all of the, all of the metaphors in the, in the new Testament around, we need the whole body. So we need the idea pokers. We actually need those people. They're going to help us figure out how to make that thing work. Even if they're not able to see how it will work before it goes into testing. Well, that takes some real humility and uh, I think maturity to be able to say it. we value the the pole the hole pokers. Yeah, because because it's it's too easy to say like, well, all you do is poke holes in everybody else's ideas. Where's your ideas, man? Yeah. Right? And it's like, uh, it's <laughs> it's but, more it's, than that. You know? I think part of it is like in the process. It's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's not time to poke holes yet. Yeah, that's all, that's what they wanted. Like, so there is a way that we can like lead a process with teams to help them generate not just ideas, but ways of talking through them that are helpful for the team, as opposed to there's just nothing worse than every time you put out an idea, that same person is like, nope, won't work. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you why. Boom, 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 yeah, boom. It? It's demoralizing. I'm feeling very convicted right now, brother. <laughs> when I worked when I worked at the mega church, okay, this has been a few years back, but when I worked at the mega church, one of the best compliments I got from the senior was, he goes, here's why I like you on the team. He says, you'll push so hard on everything and everybody's idea, but at the end of the day, whatever idea we finally go, that's the one, you'll get behind it and throw your shoulder yeah. behind it just as hard as if it was yours or somebody else's. And I, that stuck because I, I, not only did I feel good about that, you know, it was a good compliment, but I also learned something about leadership in that and allowing people, you know, to have different ideas yeah. and or just poke holes in others. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. All right. What's the next of the five phases? Yeah. The third phase is probably the most skipped by Christian leaders. And that is around the idea of experimentation. So it was identification. It was ideation. Phase three is experimentation. It's all right. We are going to construct the most simple version of whatever this thing is. Um, we In uh, the business world, it's called the minimum viable product, the MVP. Right. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about it. It's the, because we're in the when it's kingdom innovation, it's almost always having to deal with people and transformation. So we call it, we call it the minimum viable process. And it is, it's a, it's a beta. It's a prototype. It is, it is, Hey, we're renting a room for one night on a Friday night to see if this restaurant idea is a good idea. Will people show up for it? Do people want Afghani French fusion food or is that a bad idea? I say that we Let's actually have a, we have a place here that does Afghani French fusion food. And See, it that sounds so good to me, brother. That's, that's, I, I vote yes for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the way that the way that they got there is that they they, they didn't commit to like, hey, we're going to have a five-year lease right out of the gate. It was like, hey, we're going to rent a room for one night. We're going to see if it works. And then maybe we'll rent for two nights over two months twice a weekend and we'll see if that works. And you you build you learn and you iterate, you experiment, you adapt, you tweak until you find that it's doing the thing that you want it to do. Because if do it's not viable, church, don't scale it. Yeah. Do you think the church is flexible enough in our just <laughs> our culture to allow experimentation with stuff? Especially now everybody listening thinks this through the lens of like what we do on Sunday. And I, yeah. I please don't hear this. Please think about experimentation in all kinds of ways of solving the problem or changing the issue or accomplishing what we're trying to do to glorify God or make disciples or multiply. So I know it's hard. We want to hear all this, but, but I know since people are hearing it yeah. through the lens of like, 
what do we do with worship services or whatever? Do you think we're flexible enough of a culture to allow experimentation? Like, hey, we tried that, you know, and I always tell people, we're not pouring cement here. Like, hey, we can try this, <laughs> you know? Do you yeah. think we're flexible enough to actually allow this phase very well? Not yet. Just not yet. We, we, and that is why, I, I mean, that, that is one of the reasons I, I spent so much time on the ideas in this book. And this is kind of my day job, what it is that I do. We are not there yet. And I think a big piece of that is baked into experimentation is that it very rarely works the first time that you are going right. to have missteps and miscues along the way and even failure. Yeah. And that's okay. But See, it's there's not failure if you're learning, right? And you're moving fail- forward. Like failures, this is the cheesiest thing ever, but failures are stepping stones across the lake to get you from one side to the other. Yep. And there is something. I so agree. <laughs> there's something in the water. There's something in the water with Western Christianity, with leadership that just cannot handle failure and so we don't we do a whole drop. episode just on this whole this yeah. phase three here yeah wow so we we skip it or be, if, if remember the the uh, definition i gave is it, it it's new it works it gives glory to jesus that it works thing we just assume that if i i, I think that it's going to work coming out of phase two i'm just going to skip it so We've got a new program. It's going to be great. We're going to scale it churchwide overnight because that's how we know how to do things. We run programs and we yeah. know how they work. Well, if, it, yeah. if it's new, you might not know how it works. It might not oh, do what boy. you think it does. Oh, man. Oh, I got to move us along to the yeah, next sorry. phase. But, but that, no, that is so good, man. I, oh, we're going we're gonna to talk more about this, man. Okay, S- stage four, mobilization. Phase four, I guess. Yeah, phase, phase four. four is mobilization. And that is... When, when coming out of experimentation, you're looking at this thing, you're like, mm, it did it. It did the thing I wanted it to do. Um, so whether that was you've come up with a brand new way of discipling people, whether your nonprofit is working with un, uh, under-resourced kids uh, in, a, in a way and you are delivering breakthrough, whatever, whatever it might be, you're like, we had an idea. We experimented and man, did it deliver the question that you have to ask now is, why did it deliver? And this is called the process of codifying something. Mm. It's, it's, it's distilling it down to its simplest form so that you can train other people how to do it. Because if there's only one of you that can do it or five of you that can do it, you can't scale it. You can't multiply that thing. And so if it's only the elite that can do the innovation, it's not that the innovation is bad. It just has a ceiling. And so learning how, how to actually like der- to drive down the simplest expression of what that thing is so that lots and, and lots, why and lots it of works, people can get access right? to it. And yeah. why, you know, you know, what comes to mind when you're saying this brother is um, as we've built out and multiplied communities in lots of different contexts, uh, discipleship communities, one of the hardest things to mobilize is ethos. Yes. Which has so much to do with the why behind stuff. It's I think we, we think it's all just like, yeah, that guy's got a cool vibe, or she's just great to be around, or he's so creative, or whatever. But I know to get to multiplication and movement, we've had to work really, really hard to understand why is this different, and why is this working, and how can we train people in that? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a hard—this is a hard phase, brother. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, it's really—it's— it's challenge. It's it's learnable though. 
Yeah. But it's challenging. It's learnable if, if, if the team or the leaders will take the time to do that codification, right? Yeah. That's the problem. Often I think it's just like, well, see, God's blessing it and just do what I did. And uh, there's stuff missing there, and that that reduces it to task and program again, yeah. real quick, which starts to erode the innovative aspect of it right away. <laughs> yeah, and there's multiple, things that you, know. you miss. I mean, I think about that passage. Um, it's, it's kind of a funny story, but I think about a passage in Mark nine, where you know Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and you've got the other nine disciples who've just made this giant mess because they tried to cast out the spirit and it's just not working. Like they are stuck. But the problem is that they'd already in Mark six been really successful in the past. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, they pull Jesus aside. This is, this is one of my all time favorite Jesus stories. And they just, they're like, Hey, can we debrief? What happened? Like, why didn't that work? We did all the stuff we've done in the we past. We did all the stuff. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, you got to pray. Like, and in, in, in other ones, it's like, you got to pray and fast. And it's, it always struck me like, at what point did they think they could cast out an evil spirit without prayer? And somewhere along the way, they, they thought that the hype was about them and not what Jesus was doing. And they're like, yeah, prayer. And then I see, I, do, think I get to the evil spirit without the prayer. And I think we take that passage right there, especially in light of this, and we go, oh, you know what? Um, like a talisman or something. Uh, we didn't stop to pray so God couldn't bless it. Like, yeah. like we earned it versus, no, 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 what's going on? Uh, prayer and fasting. No, go and ask God what to do in this situation. Yeah. Listen, back off. It's going to take a while to get past what you think you want to do or what you've done in the past, what's always worked, what makes you look good, what's efficient, blah, blah, blah. And listen, just l- stop and listen. What's next, yeah. Lord? Listen to that, right? We, I think our, my, I'll speak from my own heart. I just go like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Hey, everybody, let's just stop and pray real quick. It's almost like if we don't, then God won't bless it. Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's not some act or a talisman. It's like, listen and let the spirit of the living God who, you know, we're glorifying in all this. Let him tell you in this situation, in that change, in this innovation, in this particular yeah. situation. Yeah, that's key, it's, man. That stop. And just asking, Lord, what are you up to right now? Yeah, is really important. I mean, you think about Acts 16, where the spirit is blocking Paul every which way. Until finally he gets this vision of, of a man in Macedonia. And that's how he goes to Greece. And that's the first church that's planted on a brand new continent. But it was because he was paying attention to the spirit. And he was willing to pump the brakes on what he wanted to do. Mm. And that's incredibly, incredibly important with King of Innovation. And then all the innovation that had to have followed because he's, all not, of it, yeah. he's not in Jerusalem or, you know. So, yeah, you know, really wow. different, really different context. Wow. Yeah. All right. So phase number five, multiplication. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is what the name says. Like we are, it is, you have codified what it has worked. You've figured out how to get it into the hands of people. And you have reduced that thing to like what we call radical minimums, mm-hmm. which are the most, um, it, it's, you cannot ask everyone to do everything, but you can ask everyone to do a few radical things. And wow. so, say that one more time. That's you, so good, brother. You cannot ask everyone to do everything, but you can ask everyone to do a few radical things. Wow. So <laughs> if, if you think about, um, if you think about like the, the, uh, the Benedictines, like they, their radical minimums, they had this thing called the rule of life. Yeah. Um, if you think about AA, their radical minimums are what you're going to need a sponsor. 
you're going to need 12 steps and you got to go to meetings. Like there are a lot of things that could go into what it looks like to fight for your sobriety, but they've boiled it down to there are a couple of things that you have to do. And sort of the, the, the thing around multiplication, when you're multiplying something and you're asked someone, because you're calling people up, you're not making it easier for people. You're actually calling them up is you're saying what other people call radical here, we call normal. Because hmm. normal, uh, my, my wife and I's my wife is a uh, cultural anthropologist. The way that we talk, our definition for culture is culture is whatever is normal for a group of people. Mm-hmm. And so the radical minimums are like embodied practices where we're saying, hey, other people, we're not saying you have to do this. We're not saying if you don't do it, you're not a Christian. We're just saying here in this culture, this is what we do. Yeah. And you might think that's strange. You might think it's crazy or radical or whatever. It's just normal for us. But you won't get to movement and multiplication without that yeah. identification and adherence to it. And this this is where we run into things as uh, problems as well. People are like, well, why do we have to? Why do we have to have those minimums? Or why do we have to have that? You know. And and then, but then that you know, what's the phrase we've all heard it a million times? Make sure innovate. I'm sorry, uh, imitate before innovation. Yeah. Like, hey, let's let's stick to these. Can, you know, like, can you imagine coming to one AA meeting or something? I, you know, this isn't a promotion for that, yeah. but you come to one and you're like, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. And then the next day, you just kind of like chuck a couple of the big tenants of it. And, he's, <laughs> and I, we only need eight steps. I, these are a waste of time over here. I don't like those. And, and that then whole making amends. Don't really need to. You do don't that. even worry about that. So, you know. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, not that many people are really helped by this. I guess that whole thing doesn't really work anyway. Like, no, you're not actually doing <laughs> that anymore. Yeah. You lost some of the core. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, there's this group that I'm working with right now, and they are they have codified um, a very specific way of doing what are called DMMs, which are disciple-making movements. And they their mission very specifically is to work amongst unreached people groups. Um, people who have either never, who have not been, um, cultures that have not been exposed to the gospel for at least 200 years or more. Um, and in the last 15 years, 1.8 million people have come to faith in Jesus. It's in, in places that you would not believe in places. I can't even probably say in a podcast. Um, wow. And it's, but what they like, it's, everyone has been like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And there's, there's, there is flexibility built in, but it's like these six things we're all going to do. Yeah. And there isn't flexibility among these six things for our process for what that looks like. Yeah. And that's made it incredibly, incredibly multipliable and repeatable. Oh man, I get so stoked. Yeah. <laughs> Wanna, let's do an episode on that. All right. Okay. <laughs> so we, I, I gotta, uh, I gotta sort of start moving towards uh, the, the time. Yeah. You know, that we, we start landing start the plane. Yeah, but um, you've also made a lot of tools and training available in conjunction to the book, yeah. And and this topic of innovation, kingdom innovation in specific. Um, real quickly, tell us about what folks can get a hold of the training lab and what's going yeah. on there, and maybe even you know, feel free to go ahead and plug you know the work you're doing with Catapult. Yes, I mean if you if you get the book, there is we put a lot of time into creating what we're calling just a leader innovation lab which is it's training in a lot of the things that we talk about in the book. So for each of the masks, we, we've got, we, we just talked about the five phases of, of kingdom innovation. Each of those phases has a master tool, mm-hmm. which allows people to really learn the process for that phase. So like for the, uh, 
that fourth one that, that is about mobilization, we call it the call to arms tool. And it, it goes like, how do you codify something? Like, it's easy for me on a podcast to be like, you should codify. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. How do you do that? So it's a tool about that. So we've got training on that. We've got... Um, I've seen these tools. You're giving the farm away. I, oh, I want right. everybody to... We're going to put links in the show notes for folks to be able to get this stuff, you know? And there again, it's all in the book too, the links yeah. and all that stuff. So, so we've, got, we've got that. We've got case studies. There are six case studies where we've just done a real deep dive around things that are happening. Like the Bible Project is one of them. I got um, did some extensive interviews with them trying to unpack how it is that they, uh, they got to this place. We've got, I mean, there, there's more training. Uh, there are uh, some other downloadables that are, I mean, we, we just tried to give, give as Too much many as good things, away. man. So yeah. much good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And what about catapult? What's going on with catapult? Yeah. So I, I helped lead an organization called catapult and our, um, sort of like our strat line is we, uh, help leaders build successful ministries that scale. When I say successful, uh, yeah. I probably mean something different than maybe most people would hear. So thinking about how uh, successes should always in the, the Christian imagination be about the quality of the life that is being transformed and how that life is multiplying into other people. And so a lot of the stuff that we do in um, that we talk about in the book, we there are a lot of these labs that we that we lead where we're helping people create uh, systems for disciple making that are completely tailored to uh, that church's uh, theology, context, convictions, uh, the, the people that they have on the team, all the different things where it's not it's not copy and paste or import from somewhere else. It's we're going to get into the, the nitty gritty of what you think, what you believe and why. And then we will construct a process for rapid reproduction of making disciples. Wow. Based on those things. So it's that's not for the faint of the heart. That we lead. What, yeah, what you guys are doing in Catapult's not for the faint of heart. It's not a tire kicker <laughs> thing like could I get could I get you in the phone and just pick your brain for a half hour, you know, and throw you a couple bucks. Now that's it's a it's definitely a deep dive and, and, and overhauling of systems and thinking and even really what to ask, what you know, are we asking the right questions? How are we thinking? Man, I, I want people to to be able to get all that stuff. And and again, you want you're going to want to get the book ready or not by Doug Paul here. But um, I'll put links to all that Leader Lab, and and you'll be able to get you know find that. But that'll just make you want to get the book. Like I said, they're giving away the farm. Hey, talk about you know stuff that people dig and it's helpful. We always do the big three, Doug, at the end yep. of every episode, kind of like the minimum. Hey, here's three things we don't you, we don't want you to miss from today's episode. Uh, regardless, it, don't miss these. They can always download the big three. We write them out and make them a printable, downloadable PDF. You can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Um, why don't you, why don't you, this is, doesn't always happen, but this, uh, why don't you tell us what the big three are today, brother? All right. Uh, number one, innovation is a skill and it's a muscle you can grow. Innovation is a skill. It's a muscle you can grow. It is. And this is kind of going what we were talking about at the very beginning. You can learn how to do this. Um, you, you weren't born to have it or not have it. It is even people who are, who think they're naturally good at it have a lot to learn. And fundamentally, I believe that in the world in which we now live, that a Christian leader missing the skill of innovation is like a carpenter is missing a hammer. It's not the only skill on the tool belt. You you need more tools than just innovation, but not having it. I'm going to make a strong statement. Not having it moving into the future is indefensible for a leader. We've got to be adaptive for the world that we're living in. Wow. 
All right. Wow. That's a powerful. How's that provocative statement that's, there? That's, that's, there's, that's one. Okay. What's the that's second one. of the big three today? Yeah. The second one for big three, uh, number two is be okay with something not working the first time. Hmm. Be okay with it. It's okay. Mistakes and missteps are part of the process and even failure. Um, the, the, the phrase that we talk about a lot is fail faster. Um, if, if some, like the sooner you get to failure, the sooner you get to success. Yes. The so- I mean, like it, yes. it, it really is. It's not always that simple, but it oftentimes is. Please embrace this. Like this yeah. is radical. As simple as that is, Doug, this is just radical with this fear of failing, fear of man, fear of the board, fear of whoever. Uh, yeah, the quicker we <laughs> let's fail forward. Here's how we say, you've probably heard me say this, but we always just go suck forward. You know? Yes. Just yeah. if it's worth doing, right? Just get after it because you're going to get to success so much quicker. I've told people because they, they'll say, man, like you just move ahead and you start trying things as if like you're right. And I said, I, I'm not necessarily right, but I'll fail enough times to get to the right thing yes. quicker than a lot of people will even get out of the starting blocks. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, that, and this is important. It takes tenacity. It's like, it's an, because, so much of this is about expectations management. Do you think that it's going to work right out of the gate? And if you do, you're in trouble. But if I think like there are going to be mistakes, I'm going to have failures along the way, but I will fight through it. That's about perseverance and tenacity. That's incredibly important with this process we're talking about. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Let's go big three. Number three. Number three. uh, We've said it before. I'll say it again. Kingdom innovation is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I think I've mentioned this a couple of times in the book, and it is one of my favorite verses uh, from John 15, where Jesus says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, So if you think that you can advance the kingdom without the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, good luck. Um, But it's, it's about Jesus. We are, we've been invited into this incredible relationship with him that will never, ever end. And the kingdom is unfolding and we have the pleasure to be part of it. Doug, isn't it great to live in this kingdom with this king? It isn't, is. Isn't it amazing? For those who are waiting for someday we'll fly away, I'm going to go like, listen, I don't, you know, we know that our minds can't conceive of it all, but it is great now. The kingdom of God is here and now. And that's one of the reasons I love you, brother, and I love talking to you and I love hanging with you because you get that in you and the family and, and you're yep. enjoying the kingdom now and you're helping a lot of people find spiritual freedom. So, man, that's awesome. Thank you, brother. Well, I can't, I can't wish you more luck and blessing on the book and the release. I know God's already blessing it. You've worked really hard on it. I, I know we've talked along the way and yeah. how hard it's been, how many times you rewrote sections of it <laughs> as the world just kept changing and yeah. innovating for you and all that. But uh, I, I think this is truly going to be a book that people come back to over and over again because the principles won't change, and but the world will, and the church will need to. And um, like you said, it, to not have innovation as one of your tools will be indefensible, I think. At, a, at some point here, or you just won't be in this uh, in this game anymore. You won't be in the church leadership sort of role anymore because it just it won't work, right? So yeah. I just want to thank you again for being on, for taking the time to share with uh, our listeners here at the Everyday Disciple Podcast. I know they're going to love this, and I know they're going to love your book. Again, please go out and get ready or not, Kingdom Innovation for a Brave New World, and uh, I'll have links all over the show notes, and you'll see me posting all about it as well, all right? Thanks again, Doug. We'll talk all to right, you soon, thanks. brother. All right. How great was that? I told you, I knew you'd love Doug and I know you're going to love the book too. So check out Ready or Not, 
Kingdom Innovation for a Brave New World. It goes so much deeper. I felt like we were just skimming the surface here. There is so much it gets into step-by-steps and how to do all that, and you're going to love it. So I'll have all the links for that in our show notes at the website, so you'll be able to find all that and get all the goodness, okay? Hey, listen, we are opening up some new slots in coaching cohorts. Uh, My wife, Tina, and I, we coach couples as couples uh, for those who are in ministry and who are setting up discipleship and disciple-making systems and frameworks in their church and all that. If you'd like to find out more about the coaching that we offer in everyday discipleship and how to find spiritual freedom and help others do the same and build out discipling processes that multiply, we'd love to love to have you. We'd love to be able to serve you in that way. Uh, there's a new cohorts starting up right now. Depending on when you hear this, they might be full. We don't coach a whole lot of people. But to find out more information and to uh, get to know us a little bit and for us to get to know you a little bit, you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching to get all the information and contact us about that all right listen we'll talk to you next time we'll be back next monday as always here on the everyday disciple podcast and looking forward to that as well talk to you soon thanks for joining us today for more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources visit everydaydisciple.com and remember you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that jesus promised every day